Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey toward Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for being here this morning. It's so good to see you guys. Uh, I know I prayed already, but I'm going to pray a quick prayer to transition to, um, to our time in the Word, and then we'll jump in. Today is uh, not going to be a sermon, uh, as you might anticipate from me on any given Sunday. Um, but what I want to do over the next 30 minutes or so is uh, share with you where we believe God is taking us over the next three years um, and uh, who I believe we will become uh, in this journey. So let me pray for us and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you uh, that your word is true. Thank you that your spirit is present. Thank you uh, that we do not go at it alone. Thank you that you are dependable. Thank you that you are unchanging. Thank you that you are unwavering. Thank you that you provide provision for vision. And so, uh, Lord God, we just say thank you. We say thank you in faith, believing that you will accomplish your will in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, So as I said, um, we are starting in September, September 1, uh, we are starting a three-year discipleship journey. Uh, Now, you just heard me say that I'm going to give three years of vision, yes, but um, the, the hope is that we are being formed into something along the way. Amen? Uh, we are being formed into something, into a people with a particular focus. And so we're calling this discipleship journey Harvest. And uh, I'll explain to you why as we go along. If you want to follow along, uh, um, everything will be here on the screen. And then, of course, we're going to provide resources for you following this time. Uh, but this is a three-year discipleship journey for our entire church uh, that are attached to, that is attached to particular goals. And our aim today... Our aim today is singular, to start us on a journey to raise the redemptive passion of our church, to start us on a journey. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I was reading this book, still reading it, called Church Unique, uh, and it's all about shaping uh, um, the vision and the mission and the values and the type of church that you want to be in. And in one of the chapters, I was particularly convicted, and I shared this with uh, the group who is always here for morning prayer already, but I was particularly convicted because the, the author wrote that when it comes to seeing a church grow or be impactful or expand its influence, that most pastors and leaders, they go to the branches but not to the roots, right? They go to the branches, to parking and to giving and to capacity and kids' ministry and staffing and a number of groups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And none of those things are wrong, but they're the branches, and he said, he said, what we need to do is go to the root. And what you find in the early church is not sophisticated systems. Uh, it's not 
uh, uh, loud and wonderful sound equipment. It, it's not incredibly talented musicians. What you find in the early church is a redemptive passion that burns so hot in the people of God that the church begins to multiply on the basis of their redemptive passion. Their desire, if you want to hear me define it, their, their desire to partner with Jesus in reversing death. That's what we're doing. When we do the work of the gospel, we are partnering with Jesus to reverse death. And not just temporal death, eternal death. And so my singular aim today is to begin us on this journey to raise the redemptive passion of our church. In other words, we want to become a spiritual family that is intentional about reaching people far from God. I wish I could get a better amen on that. Will you amen me in the chat? In the chat, will y'all say something? I just, just drop something in that chat real quick. Uh, we, we, I'm going to say it again. We want to become a spiritual family that is intentional about reaching people far from God. Thank you. When Jesus left, he gave one command. Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey my commands, baptizing them in my name, and releasing them to do the same. Go. That that is the reason the church exists. The church does not exist for our good programming. It does not exist just to meet your personal needs. The church exists for the singular purpose of being the expression of God's redemptive desire in the world. That's why we exist. And so the reason why we chose the Harvest Initiatives is based out of Matthew 9, 37 through 38. I'm not going to preach it today again because I don't have time. You'll see when you see the number of slides. Um, But Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Okay, so I'm going to break it down just a little bit because I can't help myself. So, so there's not a deficit out there. There's not a dearth of people out there. The deficit's in here. It's among his people. The harvest, the harvest is plentiful. The Holy, listen, were you looking for God when he found you? No. The Holy Spirit is active. He is at work. He is at work in the world. He is doing things. So, so what Jesus is saying to his disciples, and we are his, if you're following the way of Jesus, we are his disciples. What Jesus is saying to his disciples is it starts with you because I've already gone before you and did what I'm supposed to do. And the harvest is ripe, it is plentiful, but it is the laborers that are few. In other words, we don't have enough people to collect the harvest that God is currently gathering. Now, this is your Bible. 
This is, this is not PL's brain. This is your Bible. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, and you know what, when, when a therefore, you know what the therefore is there for. It is to connect what is coming to what has come. Therefore, since, and we'll say it this way, since the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. In other words, ask God to raise your redemptive passion so that you might live as sent ones. Why? Because our church exists for those who aren't in it. Our church exists for those who aren't in it. And I need you to get this. Does it mean that we're not going to provide pastoral care? Of course we are. Families take care of each other. But our we are a family with a purpose, and our purpose is not to exist unto ourselves. Our purpose is to exist for those who are yet on the fringes of faith. Those who right now are lonely and lost and divided and depressed and looking for hope in politics and looking for hope in social media and looking for hope by working themselves tirelessly and looking for hope in how much money they can make and looking for hope in how much influence they can have. And none of it is satisfying. None of it is meeting their needs. You know it because you tried it. And so the reason we exist is to herald to them that that is not the way, but there is a God who loves you and who sees you and who wants you to be a part of this spiritual family. We exist for those out there, not primarily for those in here. And so to that end, we have a goal statement over the next three years. So don't let it freak you out. This is not one, that's what I told you. This is not one year of vision. This, you're going to get a whole packet, a whole digital packet for this. This is not one year of vision. This is three years of vision. Okay? We want to see 300 people baptized, 2,000 first-time guests, and $6.3 million in giving by August 31st, 2026. Now, I know some of us don't think to the weekend, but I'm inviting you to expand your vision. By August 31st, 2026, because we believe that the harvest is plentiful and the church mobilizes the hope of the world. Now, you notice it doesn't just say that the church is the hope of the world. It's the church mobilized. That is the hope of the world. The church inwardly focused. The church scattered and fighting. The church choosing power over principle. That church is not the hope of the world. But the church mobilized around the things of God, the gospel of God, the ends of God. That church is the hope of the world. So, and I wrote this specifically, and you know who you are and why I wrote it this way. With the information we have right now, in September of 2023, 
We believe God is leading us to accomplish our three-year goal statement in this way. Now, in the interest of time, I'm going to fly through some of this, um, but you will have time to review it all, I promise. How are we going to accomplish 300 baptisms over the next three years? We're going to teach you how to share your faith. Okay? That's where you say thank you. <laughs> we're going to teach you. We're going to equip you to share your story. Okay? We're going to help you distinguish between an invite and a non-vite. Okay? I'm going to start right now. An invite. Hey, we have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11. Um, I would love for you to come and visit my spiritual family with me, and then we can go have brunch afterwards. A non-vite. Hey, um, you know, if you're ever interested, I go to a church. Um, there's a training called Good God Gospel that we're going to walk you through. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do it on a Sunday or whether we're going to do it in a class, but the, the idea is to teach you how to have good conversations that turn into God conversations that turn into gospel conversations. Okay, because that's how it happens. Okay. When you show genuine interest in somebody and their problems and their situation, that's a good conversation. And then when they ask you how you navigated said problem or situation, it turns into a God conversation. And then you invite them to navigate said problem the way that you did, and that turns into a gospel conversation. Okay. So we're going to train you how to do that. Lead the way. Uh, we're going to provide prayer cards each fall for the next three falls. Uh, so that we're going to have one weekend where our entire church is prayer walking in the neighborhood they live in. And then you're going to put a card in the mailbox of your neighbors. I know it's risky. Uh, just saying, hey, today I prayed for you, for your flourishing. Right? And, and on the back, thank you, and on the back will be an invite in service times to Renovation Church. And then we're going to have whole baptism Sundays. I think one of the things that we have not done well here um, is set aside the proper time for baptism. And that's on nobody but me. Um, so rather than trying to partner baptisms with a service, the whole service is just going to be committed to baptisms. So we'll worship and we'll baptize and we'll call it a day. Amen. Uh, I'm going to do several evangelism series that specifically promote one more Sundays. What are one more Sundays? One more Sundays are days that we're going to designate in the calendar where you are already thinking and praying toward bringing your one more. Okay? Where do we get that from? The Bible says that all of heaven celebrates when what? One. one enters the kingdom of God. And so what I'm hoping, again, the, the, the central aim is to, to stoke our redemptive passion. What I'm hoping is that this will cultivate a culture in us where we are always thinking about who is our one more, where we're looking to our left and our right in this room, in small groups, in growth track, in whatever, and we're saying, man, I know somebody who should fill that seat. And I'm going to begin to pray for them now. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to focus on one more Sundays, and then the last thing here is we're going to celebrate the person who brings their one more at baptism as much as we celebrate the baptism. Why? Because what gets celebrated gets repeated. Right, and, and, and so celebrating the fact that people are living into their identity as missionaries, I don't have time to unpack that today, but missional is not an activity, it's an identity. Okay, I'm going to move on. I can't talk about it. We don't got time. So uh, number two, uh, we want to see 2,000 first-time guests. Now that feels like a big number, but I'm going to tell you that Brianna 
Pastor Crowley, uh, Will Langston, and R.T. Gill all said that that number was actually uh, uh, lacking a little faith. And uh, <laughs> because of the number of first-time guests we've already seen just this year, um, uh, we, we are on pace to see several hundred this year. But uh, in the interest of uh, under-promising and over-delivering, I prayerfully pulled them back. And, uh, and if we do more than 2,000, praise God. Uh, but the way that we're going to help to facilitate that is to make our online uh, uh, church excellent. Uh, right now, it's good. We want to make it excellent. Why? Because online is our front door, and it's an easy invite. If you don't want to come with me to the building, catch this link, okay? Uh, we're going to build invitation stations outside where you can grab an invitation anytime you go out to invite somebody to come and worship you. We're going to do our part, which is marketing. Why does that say marketing for the 20%? Because 80% of people who come to a church come on the arm of somebody else. They don't come because of an Instagram ad. Okay, but we're going we're gonna to try to reach the 20% and then I'm doing a series called Bless that's going to teach you how to bless your friends and neighbors in a way that is invitational toward Christ. And then, of course, our one more Sundays, uh, $6.4 million. We wanted to tell you exactly where this is going over the next three years, 575000 for kingdom giving. I'll show you at the end what those things are. Uh, ministry services is everything that we do for ourselves here as a community. Food, uh, training, events, materials, Cheerios for the kids, uh, all of that stuff. Ministry staffing, of course, that's pretty obvious. Uh, facilities and operations, that, that's the maintenance of this building, uh, fixing and and. Uh, replacing air conditioners and everything else that we've had to do over the last couple of years. And then the Freedom Project being completed uh, was at $1.5 million. If you were here last week, you heard me share that inflation, material costs, and time has increased this cost to roughly $3.5 million. I, I didn't know if I would take the time to do this, and I did get permission to do this. And so I'm going to testify for just a moment. Uh, when I shared that last week, uh, there was a family in our community that heard me say that and and the Holy Spirit moved on them in that moment. And I received an email Sunday afternoon, and, and the email said, we need to meet with you in the next 24 hours. Uh, and, and I've been doing this long enough that usually that means a bad thing is going to happen. If, uh, if somebody says they need to meet with me in 24 hours, I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Uh, but it turns out I was not in trouble. And so Brianna and I and the kids went over that morning, Monday morning, to meet with them and we were received so warmly, and, and uh, I mean, listen, I, they have asked to remain anonymous, and so they will, but I'm going to tell you, these are truly godly people. They are filled with the Spirit. They prayed for us. They spoke over us. They ministered to us in this very short meeting, uh, and then they made a pledge for $1 million to the, uh, yeah, amen, um, to, to the Freedom Project, and so that's, that's gotten us a bit closer. It's going to be a million dollars over five years. And my hope, even in sharing that testimony, is that you would see that God is actually at work and that you would raise to meet this moment so that we can actually do the things that God is inviting us to do, okay? Uh, how are we going to cultivate this giving? We're going to continue training and teaching on financial literacy and biblical stewardship. 
Uh, we're going to encourage each of us to continue on our generosity journey because we do believe that it is a journey. Uh, publicly and privately celebrate individual giving and journey milestones. I'm not going to call out anybody's name from stage. I'm just saying we're going to celebrate like this week. Uh, we used to do this every single week, and, and I don't know why we stopped, but, you know, we stand up and say this week we had 21 first-time givers. Like that is something worthy of celebrating, and we need to celebrate that. And then we're going to nurture uh, the gift of giving through our legacy team. And what we mean by that is if you go through growth track and you take the spiritual gifts test, uh, you'll see in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, that among leadership and teaching and administration and encouragement is actually the gift of giving. And so if somebody has the gift of giving, then we want to get them on the legacy team and we want to help them nurture that gift. Okay. Now, among the other things that we're doing, we're starting a couple of discipleship initiatives. Okay. Um, the first is Alpha, which is launching uh, on September 10th for the first time, okay? Uh, we're very, thank you, uh, three of you. Uh, we're very excited um, about Alpha. We really are. Alpha is going to be our opportunity to make a clear on-road for people who are either de-churched, unchurched, or unsure about Jesus to hear what they need to hear about him in a safe and contextual community, Okay, uh, uh, we have not had a very strategic path over these years to help introduce people to faith and then kind of walk them through those early stages. We've tried a few things and failed a few ways and kind of thrown them aside and never picked it up again. Well, this is the ball that we're going to run with and we're going to run the play until the play works. All right. And so the way that we're going to implement Alpha is first of all, we're going to create a dedicated website. There'll be building signage to uh, communicate where Alpha is located and why it matters. We're going to ensure that everybody who says that they want to become a follower of the way go through Alpha or anybody who has questions. If I'm in a pastoral care meeting and they're like, yeah, I just don't know if I believe this anymore. Well, hey, I want you to think about going through Alpha. Uh, we're going to build an Alpha team uh, to make sure that it functions healthily and properly. Uh, alpha groups will take place Sunday mornings uh, at Water Place. Any fans of Sunday school in the house? All right. This, this is, wow. Okay. All right. I'm very surprised by that, but praise God. The Baptists are out in force today. Um, so this will be our version of Sunday school. Um, and, and then we'll also have weekday in-home groups for Alpha as well. And then one of the things we're going to start doing, uh, so if you're on the growth track team in here right now, uh, forgive me for telling you with everybody, uh, it came to me in the middle of the night. Uh, but uh, one of the things we're going to do is start identifying for Alpha in particular the evangelism gifts so that we can connect them to the Alpha team. But another thing we're going to start doing in growth track step two is having everybody put their primary gifts and wiring into their planning center profile so that we can more, e yeah, so that we can more easily help them navigate the life of the church. Listen, the Holy Ghost tells me things in the nighttime. So growth track team, y'all in here, I'm sorry that you're just hearing this, but I do need you to do it. Okay. All right. Um, we're also uh, implementing life on life missional discipleship. If you didn't know this, uh, Perimeter Church is our mother church. And uh, all right. And um and, and one thing that they have done extraordinarily well over the years is make disciples who make disciples. Uh, they've created a three-year curriculum called the Journey Curriculum. Uh, and life-on-life -life missional discipleship will happen alongside small groups. So they're not replacing small groups because we need landing places for everybody. We need people to land in small groups where they're just going to drink cocktails and do their hair and say a prayer, right? Um, and, and then we need places. You know who I'm talking about. And then... <laughs> And I, that was one of my favorite groups last semester. I was like, I, I feel left out. 
If I still had my locks, I could probably come over, but <laughs> since I cut my hair, y'all left me out. Um, but we, we need those groups, and we need discipleship groups where we are strategically forming you in the image of Christ, okay? And so uh, I hear you clapping over there, Arrington. I knew you'd be excited. And so uh, <laughs> life-on-life missional discipleship, uh, the, the reason that we're doing it is for your growth and formation in Christ, uh, but the other reason is what I just shared a moment ago. 80% of people come on the arm of another. And so if you are not a disciple who wants to make disciples, you're never going to invite anybody to church. And if you're not equipped to do it, it's not going to happen. So we're going to equip people to be disciples who make disciples. And again, you're going to see this theme. We're going to raise the redemptive passion of our church. Now, kingdom initiatives. How am I doing on time? My clock's not working. How am I doing? Am I, am I over? Am I under? Somebody just wave, throw a hand up. Okay. Uh, kingdom initiatives. Uh, our first kingdom initiative is the Freedom Project. You already know uh, uh, about this project, but I wanted to share the why. The reason why we want to finish the front of our property, number one, is because it's a missional resource for the community. Uh, if you're not a Christian or you're not soaked in church speak, uh, the word missional sounds exactly how it is written. Like this is an opportunity for us to be on the mission of Jesus in reaching people. Okay, so we want it to be a missional resource for the community. We want to serve families and people, no matter their spiritual background. We want people, there, there are Hindu temples here, there are Buddhist temples here. There, there's the temple to baseball over there on Paper Mill, right? And, and <clears throat> yeah, and, and we want to create a space where those people are actually visiting our property and they can say that this church has provided this space for our family, whether they ever come here or not, right? We want to put ourselves in a position that if we were to disappear in 15 years, even the people who didn't agree with what we believed would lament because of the things that we once provided, okay? So uh, we want to serve families and people. We want to create a play space and a community space for our church, all right? That's important too, like, like, you know, you want to send your children out there, it's like, get out of my face, go on the slide, okay? Um, uh, it's good stewardship of God's grace to us. Uh, God gave us this building. All of you haven't heard this story, but let me just give it in an abbreviated fashion. It was for sale for $12.1 million. I came and toured the building. They said $12.1 million. I said, God bless you. I'll be on my way. <laughs> and then the next day we found out that the owners were going to go bankrupt uh, and, and so we threw a stupid offer in because we found out they were going to go bankrupt. We threw a stupid $5.2 million offer in, didn't hear anything for months. Months later, I get a call from a guy. He's like, hey, is this Pastor Crump? I said, depends on who's asking. And uh, he said, this is such and such from such and such bank. Are you still interested in the property at 1775 Water Place? I said, I am, but not for $12.1 million. And he said, well, no, actually, we just want to clear the debt off of our books and we will accept your offer at $5.2 million. And so then we got into the due diligence process where we walked the building and figured out what was wrong, what was broken, what was this and that. We realized that we were going to have a couple hundred thousand dollars just to get it to a place that it was habitable. And so we countered that offer uh, uh, at 5.2 and actually countered back at 4.2. They came back at about 4.5, and that's where we landed. So this is an incredible gift of God in eyesight of the battery in a place where land is going for a million dollars an acre. God has given given us 12 and a half and 80,000 square feet on the roof. Amen. And so we want to be good stewards of God's grace to us by completing the work that he's put in front of us. And then, of course, we want to clean up our first impression. Uh, I've had a couple of first-time guests, some of them pastors, 
who thought they were at the wrong place until they got to the back of the building. They were like, front of your building looks abandoned. I was like, I know, man, we're trying. We, we, we're doing our best, okay? Um, our well, the Wellspring Welcome Home campaign, we want to contribute $250,000 to that campaign. Uh, the, the Welcome Home campaign is Wellspring's new initiative to build tiny homes and a new facility for women and children and families who have been disproportionately impacted by sex trafficking and getting them back into the world in a healthy way. I'm actually on the board of Wellspring along with uh, the Gabies and, and, and as a part of our church. And, and uh, it's been a great joy for me to serve Wellspring in that capacity. Uh, but of course, if I'm going to be on the board, then, then I actually have to lead you into being invested in this initiative as well. And so the reason why we want to be a part of this is because one, it establishes our reputation in the city as a church that looks and lives beyond our walls. Two, it helps us to fulfill pure religion, right? That's what the Bible says, Deuteronomy 10, James 1. Go read it for yourself. Uh, it displays our affinity for those on the margins, and it engages our spiritual family in ending trafficking in Atlanta, which is in the top five in the nation for trafficking. I don't know if you knew that. It's in the top five in the nation. And so this engages us in that issue. Uh, we're going to start a counseling center by God's grace. Um, this has been a project that's been on my heart for several years. Uh, even prior to the purchase of this building, I was looking for an opportunity to do that. We have two potential partners. We don't know which one we'll go with yet. Uh, the Spirit's going to lead us through that process. Uh, but both have estimated the cost at around $40,000 a year. Uh, in order to facilitate that and what it'll do, again, it'll be a missional resource for the community. We want to provide sliding scale counseling for, for people who cannot otherwise provide counseling for themselves. Uh, amen. Um, we want to promote mental and emotional wellness as well as human flourishing because that's what the Bible calls us to do. Uh, it'll also be counseling for our members because I'm not a counselor. Please stop asking me for counseling. Okay. I do not want to ruin your life. Okay. I, I pray. I disciple. I vision, right? You want a plan to, to execute, I'm your guy, okay? Don't give me no malpractice trying to make me be a counselor. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not qualified for that, Amen. right? And, and uh, Ms. Marquetta was the first one to tell me, stop telling people that you offer counseling. I was like, yes, ma'am. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, we want to provide counseling for the poor. Um, uh, Union Church in Lima, Peru, uh, we, we've uh, already begun, and we're going to fully contribute $30,000 to their effort. Uh, John and Abby Thompson, if you, if you remember Pastor John, uh, he's a red, red bearded white dude with the sharpest edge up you've ever seen on a white man. Uh, he had that crispy fade right into the beard, and the beard faded. Like, that's my guy, right? Leonidas, alive and well. And so... Uh, uh, we're going to help them. They're revitalizing a city center multi-ethnic church. This is a, this is a historic and multi-ethnic church and, and the only one like it in Lima, Peru. Uh, it, for us, it is fulfilling the ends of the earth mandate. What do you mean, pastor? Well, read your Bible. Uh, <laughs> what did Jesus tell his disciples? That I want you to go to Judea, right, your local area, and Samaria, your regional area, and to the ends of the earth right, uh, and spread this gospel. This helps us participate in that. And then they are there uniting divided peoples, which is directly connected to the vision and mission of this church. And then we want to build a sensory room uh, in our building uh, because the least reached people group in the U.S. are families with special needs, okay? Um, in fact, 72% uh, of churches, now, y'all excited? Okay, you just, when it's time to pay up? Um, <laughs> 
72% of churches uh, provide no care or services for people or families with special needs. And we are in that 72%. And we've had multiple families over the years that have tried to be a part of our church. Um, but it was so challenging for them because they had children at varying stages of autism and other things of that nature. And there was just not a place for them. Uh, we want to provide a place for them. Okay? We want to provide a place for them. Amen. Um, and then lastly, uh, we want to launch a Southside congregation. Okay? Um, September 2026 is the prayerful launch date. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was on the fence about this one. Uh, you know, we were divided as a team. They, they were like, don't tell them that, you know, because it's going to freak them out. And I was like, well, I'd rather them be freaked out and informed than, than not informed. Uh, but the, the reality is this. Um, it, it, we have, I don't know, man, 100 plus people who drive up from the south side uh, or, or city center or just south of 20. And, and the reality is, as much as I'm grateful that they are willing to do that, um, it's going to be very hard for them to invite friends to be a part of a church that they're driving 25 minutes to get to. And so we want to put them in a position um, to be missional where they live. Uh, and, of course, we want to reach the lost and divided on the south side. In fact, um, we looked south when we were first moving, uh, and, and it just didn't work out that way. And, uh, and I'm sure this was the plan of the Lord so that we could plant again later. So the hope is to launch that congregation uh, in September of 2026. And then lastly, and, and this is last for a reason, because until we become a praying church, all of this is impossible. Okay? We have to become a praying church. We have to become a praying church. Okay? And, and not let prayer rest on the few soldiers who kind of carry the weight for us. We have to all commit to being people of prayer so that we can actually get direction from God, okay? So we want to become a praying church, and, and the way that we're going to do that is ensure that prayer is in every mechanism of our church. Uh, I'm going to continue to teach on prayer. I will yell at you uh, until you pray. Uh, we're going to uh, add Thursday morning prayer, okay? There were several people this year that were like, I don't want this to ever stop, and I was like, I don't either, but I can't do it every single day because it's going to kill my wife. Uh, trying to get all these children out of the house. And, and uh, so we've compromised for now on adding Thursday morning, and then hopefully it will grow into a daily thing as our prayer team and other members of the congregation step up to lead this effort uh, so that we can pray every day. Amen. Uh, and then, of course, I want you guys who do come regularly to prayer to continue to invite, pester, badger, and shame those who don't. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, godly shame. Um, no, continue to share with them. In fact, I'm going to testify real quick. There was one guy Saturday. It was his first time ever at Saturday morning prayer. And he was like, this is my first time ever at Saturday morning prayer. And I was like, what would you think? And he was like, this is it, right? So we want everybody to have that experience, all right? Now, follow-up. How are we going to do follow-up? Um, because this was a lot of information in a short amount of time. Uh, I'm going to host a Q&A in here between services on September 10 and 17. So if you got questions, I'll be in here. I'm sit on stage and dangle my legs so that it'll be real informal. And, uh, and you guys can come in and ask me any questions that you have. And then uh, we are building a dedicated website for our whole three-year plan. 
It's going to be sectioned off. You'll, you'll see where everything falls. Uh, and then as we establish our plans and goals year over year, because we've got to break all of this down into bite-sized pieces. So as we establish our plans and goals, which we have a planning day coming up on September 5th to do this as a staff team. Um, as we establish the goals year over year, uh, those are going to be produced in both a digital and print booklet so that you can have it in front of you. And on the back page, there's going to be a blank for you to write in your one more, okay, so that you can pray through that opportunity. That is our Harvest Initiative, our three-year discipleship journey. Amen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, this is the first time I've ever done this. Uh, I, I've, I've never given three years of vision at once in 20 years of ministry. But after months, and I do mean months of prayer, some arguments, some, some tense conversations, some wrestling. Hey, listen, your team ain't a good team if y'all never had a fight, okay? Um, that's just free advice. Um, and, you know, so after months of wrestling, this is where we landed. And, and some of this, you know, <clears throat> I, I think the, the kind of double Dutch game we were playing is trying to find the tension between... Uh, aspiration and capacity. But I do think over three years, over three years, this is not one year or two, over three years, I really do think that we can see all of these things come to fruition if we all are invested in seeing it happen. I do. So, Father, we pray as, uh, as the psalmist prayed, Lord, bless our plans. Bless our plans, Lord. Uh, it's such a simple prayer. Uh, we are committing our plans to you. We are committing them to you. And Lord God, they will only go as far as you lead us. They will only go as far as we are willing to be led by you in them. Uh, Lord, there are certain things about this plan that, uh, that we are individually excited about. Lord, let us bring all the energy in the world toward those things. And the things that we are more ambivalent about, Lord, please still let us bring all of the energy so that our spiritual family is pulling together in one direction to see the kingdom of God break in to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.